Welcome to Hearing Your Side, a podcast for friendly conversations about controversial subjects. I'm your host, Brad Miller, and our topic today is social justice. You're going to hear a discussion I had in 2018 with my friend Holly, who has a lot of experience with social activism. We discussed her work with refugees, foreign aid, and the role of data and statistics. At the time of our discussion, some of the biggest social issues were the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements, gun control, and free speech. So I had a lot of questions for her, and I have to say she was extremely patient in hearing my questions and giving me her side. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Holly. Hi, Brad. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. We are now in your mom's house in a renovated space with a giant clawfoot tub next to us. Yes. So this is a first for me. This is the first on-location podcast that I've done, so this is pretty exciting. But I was excited to have you on because I think that of all of the people I know, I, I want to say you're the person with the biggest heart for people. That, I, that I think I know. I know that's it's like a thing you probably wouldn't brag uh, yourself about, but I kind of want to let you brag about that <laughs> because when I think of the social justice, you know, kind of trend that's been that's going mm-hmm. around, I think of uh, people that probably you know post things on Facebook. But when I think of you, I think of someone who has actually gone out and done <laughs> real mm-hmm. things towards social mm-hmm. justice or social causes. So is that something that you? when you were growing up, you were interested in. Um, I don't know if you want to just talk about some of the things that you've done and then also kind of okay. what brought you to th- kind of that point yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. So that's a good question because <laughs> I work at Pitt um, in the Honors College, but I'm I'm an advisor, but I'm the community engagement advisor. And so I talk about volunteerism, public service, right. activism all the time. And right, right. I tell the story a lot, like to my students. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, good. So, so nice. like, this is something I'm like, you're well rehearsed. Very on. like lucky, <laughs> blessed to like be working in something I really care about. Right. Um, but yeah. also, yeah. So I, I have my story. I have a yeah. whole thing. So I've known you for a long time. That's right. We yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> so you know and that. Raised in similar families. Yeah. I know yeah. that uh, both of our parents kind of grew up in like the, uh, the 70s uh, hippie Jesus uh, movement. Yeah. There was definitely guitars yeah. with doves on them at some point yes. in some in some Absolutely. photos. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, was that part of like your family like got you into those kind of ideas? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of curious yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. So I do see my like heart for others really being rooted in my Christian upbringing, mm. you know, super Christian, like grew up on like, <laughs> Salty the singing songbook yeah, yeah. and like veggie tales and sure. and um you know there's always when you're a kid in the church it's all about um like loving people sure. and like being or kind to be. your yeah <laughs> it, that's what I picked up about it like um right. being nice to the weird kids or you know yeah um, can I say something real quick about yeah. that is that yeah. your dad's funeral because both of our dads actually passed away in, when they were young. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad's funeral was such an example of that because it was just the most diverse. And when people say that now, they might think racially diverse. I'm mm. talking about just every Walks walk and yeah. stripe of person was there celebrating. Yeah, I was friends with him. And it seemed like how I always thought of your family is there is no 
person we won't associate with, you know? (laughs) If I come to a party at your house, it's here's a vegan and here's some cyberpunk dude and here's a vampire and here's whatever. No, I'm exaggerating. But like, And then you have the like conservative Christians giving the blessing. Yeah, right, right. Here's a pastor, yeah, Mm -hmm. and everything. And it was always like, it's all kind of part of the mix. And I felt like your dad kind of was that way. But yeah, yeah, I I didn't know how much that tied into... Yeah, I absolutely believe that it's a mixture of nature and nurture. Like sure, yeah. now that I'm, you know, an adult, I realize that my like overactive conscience, bleeding heart, whatever you want to call mm. it, I really think it's part of me. I don't know if it's my DNA or mm-hmm, my brain mm-hmm. chemistry or sure. or what, but I just can't not uh, do what I, you know, do. But um, yeah, like to go back to kind of my story, I mm-hmm, guess, mm-hmm. Um, grew up in church, you know, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, like <laughs> basically. And I think you remember like the missionaries would come in. Right. And whether it was missionaries or like this sort of Jeffrey Jaguna type people <laughs> that, you know, the the pastors from other countries who would come in and talk about um what they were doing, I would see, you know, the pictures of the kids. I don't think all of this is really good anymore, but, but, but you see the pictures of the kids with the flies on their faces Mm -hmm. or the people who are hungry, the people living in poverty. And, um, I mean, in hindsight, there's poverty like a mile away from yeah, here. True. Uh, but but I saw that and growing up, I was just like, I, I need to help people. Help I need them. to do something about mm-hmm. this. Um, it really stuck with me. Uh, you know, I was good in school and a teacher once was like, you should be a doctor. And so for a minute I had, <laughs> I had it in my head that I was going to be like a missionary doctor. That's funny. Cause I was always drawing and I had a lady once who was like smoking this long cigarette, be like architecture, honey, that's where you need to go. So like, it's funny that people are like, you're a doctor like, trying to help you on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really, it was actually uh, Mr. Stilly from Crafton elementary school. And, and it was, it was really he was the only person who ever said that to me. And I was like, wow, you know, I can be a doctor. Yeah. 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 Um, so I realized really quickly that I wasn't that like, that I wanted to help people, but not through like, (laughs) well, I, the blood thing and like, okay. Yeah. Cutting people and needles. And you're saying you shouldn't be squeamish to be a doctor. I, I realize now that you get, can get over it, but I, okay, yeah. yeah, I just, it wasn't for I you. think also like the years of work, I was like, I need to help people now. I don't yeah. want to go to school for so long. Right. Yeah. Um, so in. yeah, like I got it in my mind uh, at a young age that I wanted to help poor people in other countries. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when it started, but every year I was like, mom, dad, can I go on a mission trip? Mm-hmm. Um, with church or uh, like my context was that I knew about was like with religious organization. Right, sure, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they were always like, maybe next year, maybe next year. And then, then um, when I was were seventeen, they worried about the dangers, kind of because some I of these places guess, were like Haiti. Yeah, like my mom or my uh, brother and my dad went to Haiti, and my dad tells a story about somebody trying to sell him his daughter. I think. And so, <laughs> oh yeah, goodness. I mean, it's it's quite a jump from uh, yeah. American Christian church to, yeah. you know, something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people in America um, see poorer countries as being dangerous. And I mean, to tell you the truth, in every country, there's sure. areas that are, right. that are dangerous. But right. I hate to even say that because, you know, people are afraid to go to certain neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. And yeah. I think it's silly because... You, you know, like classifying a whole area as dangerous. Yeah. Like you hear about a shooting right. on the news and 
And that doesn't mean that if you go to that neighborhood, you're going to you get, get shot. shot. It's like people yeah. live there. They they yeah. go home. They go to work. They, you know. And we have that too, where it's like there was a shooting at that gas station. Let's not go there now. Yeah. But we shouldn't have gone there two days right. ago. But now might be the safest time. Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. And also, it's never like a white kid with a backpack from the suburbs who gets shot, oh, no. you know, like it's like there's personal reasons why a lot of yeah, these things like, happen. We're, we're yeah. looking at research for uh, Myrtle Beach right now. And there's a lot of stuff that's like, don't go to the south of Myrtle Beach. There's been shootings. But like looking into it, it's like a lot of these people, they knew each other and they had some beef right, or something. So right, if you're like right. beach vacationing there, I don't think you, you necessarily no. need to worry as much. But anyway. Yeah. So anyway, it's yeah. all to say like we live in a bubble and yeah. other countries aren't necessarily dangerous right. the way that we. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's war zones and then. OK. So sure. anyway, um, they finally let me go on a missions trip. And like this is like so I was 17. So it was like. 19 okay late 90s i don't know <laughs> do right. math in my head yeah, um yeah, yeah. we yes. had this new thing called the internet <laughs> and i found like some of my social justice stuff started popping yeah. up like it was mid-teens and i learned about sweatshop labor and like nike was like using children in other countries to like okay, sew right. their stuff and um we had a pastor at our church who like Wore, wore Nike. Nikes. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. like we were at like a church picnic and he had a Nike hat on and I'm in my mid teens and I'm just like, how, how can you? he be wearing that? Nice. Like poor children made right, that right, hat. Right. So these like light bulbs were going off in my head that mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I thought like the church was like perfect or something. Sure, and, yeah. and, and, and like, it's not. It. And yeah. I'm like, well, why, why aren't there any women in leadership in the church? Like, why mm. are all the ushers men and, and little things where I started like coming into my own with, mm-hmm. you know, you could call it social justice or just, you know, things. I don't yeah, know. What do you call it? Cause I don't want to label you. And it's just a term that goes oh, around now, but like, how do you think of yourself? You I'm, know? I'm completely comfortable calling it social justice, but mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, I work at a university. Like I'm around liberals all the time, but mm-hmm. That said, a lot of my friends are conservative, a lot of libertarian-leaning friends, like independent-thinking kind of people who just, like, have their issues. Um, Right, yeah. And and so I'm comfortable in a lot of different settings, and I I recognize that social justice is seen as a negative Mm. um, to, like, some conservatives. Like, it's it's something that, like, causes people to roll their eyes, like, oh, the social justice warriors Mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm. so... And I want to... I do want to get into that, but I want to let you at least finish with your, you know, the work that you've done moving Mm -hmm. into your adult years because the thing I think of you most is Africa. Yeah. And having a heart for refugees because there's a lot of, I mean, it might tap Mm -hmm. in a little bit to that Mm -hmm. uh, stereotype of the social justice worry, but something Mm -hmm. like refugees gets brought up a lot maybe yeah. on like social media yeah. and people yeah. think that they're like somehow i think the term is slacktivism sometimes people say <laughs> right. where they just post like look at these refugees and then they go back to bed or whatever yeah. but like you literally went and worked with refugees yeah so i'll try to like fast forward in my story but yeah so like my parents let me go on a mission trip i think what i realized early on was that okay my faith was really strong at that time man mm-hmm. i'm not, this mm-hmm. isn't about my faith let's not anyway well it's all part of you, you yeah know? that's true that's your true. whole journey and it hasn't ended yet yeah. you know we're yeah. still figuring things so out. anyway i i like i wanted to i wanted to serve jesus but i i didn't feel that i was being called to preach the word sure, i felt sure. that i was being called to like help people, help people with their physical like yeah needs. Uh, tangible needs yeah uh-huh. so i specifically like found a a trip where we were doing like medical volunteering, not, mm-hmm. um, 
not like, like gospel. praying with people. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Guatemala for two weeks. I was like, I fundraised. I was like, I'm going to save the world. And <laughs> everyone has this story, or, or I hope that people who do this have this story. I read it in like college applications all the time. It's like, and then I realized <laughs> I'm learning more than I'm actually helping. Like you can't actually save the world mm, in two weeks as yeah. one untrained like teen. <laughs> <laughs> you have the passion, <laughs> yeah, but maybe not the tools or the yeah, numbers yeah, or money. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what is yeah, the... yeah, I feel like billionaires could do something really easily. Um, I do want to come back to that too, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I did that. I had a great time. I like washed kids' hair for lice and contracted mm. lice myself and mm-hmm. um, did some things that were like clearly they didn't need me to do like hand out medicine to kids in an orphanage like you don't okay. need like six people to stand here <laughs> handing out medicine you're like you're just humoring me to make me feel like I did something yeah. but these organizations like actually make their money off of people coming to volunteer and it, it can be a good mm-hmm, thing like mm-hmm. if they're actually doing work in the community so mm-hmm. they need like people who want to save the world to come and pay money to mm-hmm. like do like menial stuff but it's not the menial stuff that helps although there's some like amount of like relationship building and stuff you Mm -hmm. have to be careful about not being like paternalistic like Mm. like white savior complex depending on the culture maybe or yeah yeah like to be like that "Mm -hmm." like oh i'm better than you because i'm from america and i'm here like handing (laughs) you a bottle of medicine they frown on that um, I frown on it. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I, 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 yeah. I've heard different people describe things from Afghanistan, Iraq, people that have been there about how, oh, they love us or, oh, they hate us. And it, I think there's probably person to person what, what you feel about the people yeah. who come in. Yeah. And I've seen that in being surrounded by academics and students who are thinking and, and um, analyzing, mm-hmm. like being like critical, uh, which is totally healthy, mm-hmm. will um, be like, oh, we shouldn't go there. We shouldn't meddle or we shouldn't act yeah. like we can solve other people's problems. There's right. there's a lot of truth to that. But if you go to refugee camp in Zambia, you know, a village in Zambia, and mm-hmm. you're with people who don't have a lot of visitors don't have a lot of resources and you bring some soccer balls and uniforms they are gonna be really excited at least in that moment and you're not you're not solving poverty yeah i was gonna ask you Mm -hmm. with your passion to solve these problems did you feel frustrated a lot of times of like oh i'm i'm helping but i wish i could help 10 times more or were you kind of like you know what the soccer ball actually is help and it does feed some of that it's a it's a constant struggle um do you mind if i fast forward the story yeah Yeah, yeah. so i did this thing when i was a teenager went to college Mm -hmm. took some classes realized that the most concentrated poverty was in sub-saharan africa Mm -hmm. um again in hindsight like all the problems they have there we have here like it's just more concentrated but it's also concentrated in pots like pockets of pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. um and like certain populations but but yeah, so after college, I was trying to find ways to go to Africa and found an organization that worked in refugee camps in Zambia. And so the refugees are from the countries that surround Zambia. And right. and some of them were from a little farther off. So that are a lot more of war torn or things like that. And they're coming yeah. into Zambia. For yeah. What? So Zambia has never had a civil war or like guerrilla warfare. Like it, it's one of the few countries in Africa that's had peace since mm. um, their independence in 1964. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, their neighboring countries, Angola, Congo, have had like decades and decades mm. of just different 
kind of fighting. And so the refugee camps I was working in had people from Angola, Congo, Rwanda, Burundi, and Sudan. Wow. Um, yeah. And a lot of them, they weren't people who had just come from war. They had like come and they weren't ready to go back yet, um, but they had like set up shop. Right. Uh, so it was basically like a village mm. in Zambia, but they didn't have... Um, Soccer balls. They didn't have soccer balls. They, you know, you can make a soccer ball out of plastic bags. That, you yeah. know, soccer will prevail. Oh my goodness! So I imagine their needs were a little different from the last story. Yeah. So right. So it's like I'm just going to go off on soccer for a second. Okay. Sure. Um, mud brick huts, like thatched roofs, um, <laughs> no electricity, no running water. But I'm in this refugee camp during the world cup like ah, championships yeah and in the like market there's mm -hmm. like a big building where they have procured a satellite like uh, they don't there's like poverty but there's right. entrepreneurship going on right, right. so like there is a like car battery like a generator yeah. battery satellite little tv and people are freaking watching the world <laughs> cup finals in the middle of nowhere where right. like priorities it, you right know? right like <laughs> no matter where like the far this off-reaching places in the world you will have coca-cola right and like this is the, the constant right and you will have the Jehovah's Witnesses ah. uh, Watchtower magazine in local languages. Interesting. But like you won't have like medicine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or like running water yeah. or a lot of other like things wow, that yeah, we're that's used interesting. to. But yeah. yeah. Um, so I was volunteering in the refugee camp, like living there for four months straight. And I feel like since we've already mentioned my dad's funeral, it, sure, it won't yeah, be sorry. bad to say like, yeah. um, I, I meant to stay longer, but he came to visit me and we were involved in a car crash right. and that, that might be, you know, we could have like a grief podcast oh, and yeah, that could sure. be, that could be a separate well, we conversation. Share that. You know, we yeah. have, you know, the, the, that tragedy in our families. Yeah. And, I, and that does form you. For me, it form, started forming me early. Uh, Absolutely. It, it does accelerate yeah. your idea of life being short. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know for you if that if that changed things in terms of, okay, I need to kind of come back home. Yeah. You know, after the car accident, I came back and we had a funeral and I had a broken ankle. I had I was like down for a little while. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone else in my family had taken some time off of work or school or, or wherever they were. And then they went back. And I was sitting here in this house with with a broken leg mm -hmm. and just I was like I I just want to go back to work and at that point I had decided I want to work in international development and I had I had started I had just you know gotten my feet wet and so yeah. I stayed working for the same organization but I I trained people here college students here to come back and and okay, do volunteering. Yeah. Now you're the there. voice of wisdom and you're <laughs> right, on what right, you know. right. Like teaching people like yeah. how to use a pit latrine yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. Um, cultural things that yeah. I learned the hard way. I mean, you, I'm still learning the hard way sure. cultural things, but um, sure. And, and it was with a humanitarian yeah. organization. Yeah, you're with. And that's kind of what I wanted to just yeah. quickly touch mm -hmm. on and sure, ask you this because yeah. I, I don't know the answer, but I've been thinking about it lately. If humanitarian organizations do a better job, maybe than governments or militaries, I don't know if you have an opinion mm. on that. But I, I I've been listening to some mm -hmm. debates on that because I am one of those people who, whenever we as a country mm -hmm. go into some place, mm -hmm. that I feel a little icky about it. Yeah. As in terms of, well, that's their country. This yeah. is ours. Yeah. And then I feel a lot less icky about what 
someone like yeah. you does, which is mm-hmm. let's get 40, 50 people together, go in with only mm-hmm. humanitarian mm-hmm. goals yeah. and help out. And it seems like a lot of good can be accomplished yeah. through that. But I worry that the blunt, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of red tape in government. There's a lot yeah. of things. I, yeah. I, I kind of lean a little libertarian mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I was pretty Republican when mm-hmm. I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's that idea of just government kind of sucks mm-hmm. at doing a lot of things yeah. that people in smaller groups maybe do better at. Do you have an opinion on that? Because I don't know, you know, necessarily what to think. Yeah, it's totally complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't so, expect you to have the quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, here's the solution. Sure. Um, microfinance. No. <laughs> uh, that was a joke. Um, yeah, not the I'll, wave of the future. <laughs> well, Kickstarter. Uh, It'd be awesome if you had just one quick word like that. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> I I would love to like talk to somebody who wants to argue that like military intervention and because I know that the US military besides just um you know fighting and killing mm-hmm. they also um do like some rebuilding efforts um right, right. but I it wouldn't fundamentally be your first fundamentally like I just like I'm a pacifist mm-hmm. and like, you I don't, don't like the think idea armies should exist. <laughs> armed forces you know? and humanitarian things. Um, yeah. So I, I, I absolutely would not um, kind of interest a group that's meant to like defend slash like, I, I absolutely don't think that the U S army is only for defense. Like we do a lot of um, invading offense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't entrust that group to be concerned with um, like their values aren't, Right. Okay. Right. Right. They no, might, you're right. I mean, they might some see sort of their value values as being humanitarian. Or person but to person, maybe they might have people like you with a with a heart yeah. for people. But yeah, the American Armed Forces, their primary goal is to quote protect America. Their mm-hmm. primary goal isn't like for a peaceful world. I don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of what I yeah. what I worry about is sometimes we try to make it into that. Yeah. Of like, well, we can police the whole world, mm. but there's so many, yeah. like you said, not just bad things yeah. happening inside yeah. the country, yeah. but all over. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I, I, th- I know that's extremely yeah. complicated. I shouldn't just throw that no, at you as no, if it's no. a quick thing. But you've worked with and seen the good that these groups do, and I feel like that is an in-between answer. It's between it's, doing nothing yeah. and full-blown invasion, right. maybe is someone like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't believe in doing nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, like you know, you. I think like this Let liber- suffer, they're libertarian, they're like non-interventionist perspective. I think, um, like I agree with not military intervening. I, it's complicated. It's not sure, my sure. area of expertise, but sure. like, there's people who argue against foreign aid. I don't. Mm. I'm yeah, against I, I foreign aid to military. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not against foreign aid. So I'm gonna go deep for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Part of the reason why America and Europe are so developed is because during the time when we were developing, Western society was stealing humans, mm. um, using forced labor, mm-hmm. and and we built up like the industrial world on the backs of like poor people mm. here and in other countries. And so, like, part of the reason why we can live in comfort is the same reason that these countries are in poverty. So I don't believe in doing nothing. Sure. Because our comfort is stolen. Mm, <laughs> and and so yeah. like, and I don't know, I don't know the answer to, um, okay, so foreign aid, like I do think that we- It's such a broad word. Right, because right. I, yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, it could be, it could take many forms. Right, right. So there's like giving yeah. money to um, 
other governments and like that's not like that's kind of proven to not be that great like yeah yeah if you're in charge of a country and another you know another country gives you money like it hasn't really like such like a businessman yeah like mindset of just like throw dollars and it'll fix it yeah it hasn't really trickled down to like the common Mm. people um that said big time humanitarian organizations like us aid and and even small people working for small organizations like me like the organization that i worked with doesn't exist anymore it was it was cool while it lasted Mm -hmm. um but that was the slogan yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but um the people like I keep in touch with the people I used to work with and we ask ourselves all the time, like, did we do anything good? Mm. And so in that moment, in that moment where you're like seeing the soccer happening, right, like, right. wow, like they're, they're so happy. This is like a real, like us versus them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I did so good, but then, you know, what are the real problems? Like mm-hmm. infant mortality, mm-hmm. like maternal mortality, like, People's babies are dying. People are dying. People are dying young. Um, People are suffering from diseases that have cures to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, they don't know that there's a cure. And there's like all this mixed up like cultural stuff. But um, I think a lot about like like disabled people because sometimes when you go into a village you like interact with men because they're more likely to be educated they're more Mm. likely to speak english and you're interacting with like the able-bodied mentally healthy men who are like good at interacting with foreigners and they're Mm. like oh yeah you're here like you brought the stuff this is cool like let's do things but like you're not gonna see the the people who are suffering the most the most so Mm. you're you're in the middle of the place with like the the like by the books like the worst problems ever but you're still right. like working with the people who are okay right and i do that's yeah. that's actually a good segue because i want to get to the by the books kind of a thing mm-hmm. you in addition to having a big heart have yeah. a big brain i feel like Aww. Uh, i'll say that <laughs> thanks um you just got your master's in yes, is it policy yeah public, public policy? policy and management right yeah. so you went back to school yeah and got this, and you just had your graduation. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Um, but part of your training there was mm. in statistics. Yes. And you told me about that, and you also told me begrudgingly, because it sounded like it was really hard. Yeah. But I feel like you were you were up for it. Yeah. And that is really interesting to me, because the merger of the factual, statistic-based mm. mind and the bleeding yeah. heart, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. see that uh, that much. And so part of this podcast, I want you to kind of help okay. me. And I, I like what you said, too, mm-hmm. about how it could partially just be genetics. Because <laughs> I, I sometimes feel like I'm a little heartless on some of these things. And I would like to be I would like to be more compassionate, mm-hmm. you know. But I see things that concern me uh, with the passion without the facts, yeah. maybe as much. Yeah. So talking about malaria, because we had we yeah. had, had this conversation, I think, a couple of years ago where mm-hmm. you said... You know, Bill Gates Foundation identified malaria as one of the major problems in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. And then you told me, because mm-hmm. I remember being like a big bragging thing of like, we're, we're, we're isolating malaria as the problem. We can solve it with dollars. We're doing it. Yeah. He was really excited. Mm-hmm. Melinda Gates and him, mm-hmm. their foundation, yeah. all the charity. You said, well, one thing wrong with malaria is the data gathering is, is done by hand. And a lot of things get reported as malaria that are not malaria (laughs) by people just literally writing down malaria (laughs) then that goes all the way back up the chain as well malaria is the big problem Mm, yeah but at the base level maybe it was being incorrectly reported i had never heard that but from you and i was like well that's really interesting because it gets to the idea of the perception of how large a problem is versus how large it may really be (laughs) and i'm sure that's on your mind a lot 
Yeah. It's on my mind a lot too because I see a lot of outrage. Now, I've recently, mm-hmm. within the last couple of years, left mm-hmm. social media because I felt like I wasn't getting an actual picture of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a filter, right? Or a bubble or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of screaming about a lot of issues and I don't always know how seriously to take it. And so I kind of want to get into the statistics yeah. and fact stuff because it feels yeah. like, you know, you'll see a thing on Facebook that's like, some tragedy, some shooting, some something, and you'll go, man, that's terrible. There must be a epidemic. Yeah. But is there? You know, so yeah. those are things. And again, that sounds cold and heartless. That's kind of where my mind goes a lot of times of, I don't want to immediately knee jerk and say, oh my God, this guy is falling. Um, so maybe you can help me with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, bit. I don't think it's cold and heartless at all um, to want to like check the facts. I mean, you can like, somebody dies it's always sad and like you can balance like being sad with like looking at the big picture and thinking like is it an epidemic is it not um Mm -hmm. so a little another like piece of i just used another as a word that's okay you're out of school now no one will know um i worked with the refugee organization for three years and i worked in refugee camps brought students back and forth and i i spent kind of half my time in zambia half my time in america Mm -hmm. when i stopped working for there i got a job in a research office for a development economist based in harvard Mm. university (laughs) Mm -hmm. um who was doing research in Zambia. So there's there's these kind of two groups of researchers who are looking at poverty and they're using good like mm-hmm. hard data um doing randomized controlled trials okay. uh, to to really like influence policy to find out like what is the real problem, what is the real solution? And there's an organization called Poverty Action Lab and there's Innovations for Poverty Action. And mm. so the professor I was working for was was working through these organizations and I was excited cuz I was you know, I did this I kept talking about soccer balls. That wasn't the only thing that we did. We, sure, we, absolutely. We did like health education. We built libraries. Um, we had like skills training, like uh, computer right. literacy. We did right. um, scholarships. So, so we, but so that was kind of like we did community programs, quality of life stuff, mm-hmm. educational mm-hmm. stuff. So I was excited to move over to like data driven <laughs> uh, kind of approach where we weren't. We guessing, weren't sol- we weren't guessing and we weren't like providing any kind of relief. We were just like asking questions so that we could say, okay, we found out this works mm. and now we're going to tell the government of Zambia or we're going to tell, you know, the United States, like this is where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Yeah, you, it's not just yeah. about isolating the problem. It's also what's the solutions that have most worked. Right. My undergrad degree is in math. So like I have yeah. that like analytic, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I find it interesting yeah. because it's like, a lot of times I see the one or the other. Right. right. The yeah. person that's cold and, and calculated but has no heart or the person that's all heart and yeah. just is saying the most out there things. And you're like, yeah. are you thinking through this? Yeah. So I, I had like the math chops, but I, I wasn't, I hadn't done statistics. I hadn't done economics. Right. Um, and so I was working with these people who like, yeah, were smarter than me, but like, but um, <laughs> Always I, I was like the expert on like the zambian cultural stuff and like so you mentioned like seeing a headline and and right. and wondering like should i freak out or not should, right. and one thing that that people do like the first level is like did it come from a reputable source and like i'm sure you yeah, already uh-huh. know like you're already conversant on this level like okay if something 
you know, is it fake news? <laughs> right. Like, let yeah, me find yeah. out if this is fake news or not. But then even so sad because that term really started as, as a good thing. <laughs> I really was using that a lot early on. I was like, yeah. guys, there is literal fake stories. Yeah. Some of them are parody sites, some of them whatever. Yeah. And now it's become used by just about everybody. It's tainted because now everybody wants to use it just as a. <laughs> the one I don't like is fake news. And, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the next thing you can do besides like seeing if it's in, you know, from a reputable source and mm-hmm. like. I, or multiple sources, right, maybe check. Right. Thing to see if they all have the same right. story. But then here's what I learned in grad school public yeah. policy. Share it. You can go deeper, like, you know, they might be reporting basically like a line from a research study that was done, mm. but they might be spinning it a little right. bit. Follow the so, study. Yeah. Right. So go like then that. you have to go back and maybe it's not each individual citizen who needs to go back, but someone who knows what they're talking about should right. go back and look at like, how is that data collected? Mm. How is the data like analyzed? Um, right. That's and- the tricky stuff. That's where my mind starts going <laughs> because a headline, especially now where the desire to have a, a catchy headline is so huge. Mm-hmm. It's so competitive. Yeah. I mean, I guess it always has yeah. with newspapers and yeah. stuff too, but uh, it's it's hard to right. you know and there's all these different things that can bias research and like was it just one study that was conducted or like mm-hmm. yeah is um, that part of what your statistics course was about is and it seems like a lot of science yeah, is this way yeah. too is how can we unbias ourselves as best as possible we know we're all flawed humans yeah, yeah. now we have to try to get past that yeah in my whole program like a lot of what we did was looking at this I mean even like I took an African development course and back to the question of like is it going to be humanitarian aid or government or military mm-hmm. or I think there's an argument that um, business is going to be what like you know free market capitalism is going to be what saves the world and um, I don't necessarily agree with that but mm-hmm. but there are some cool stories about like empowering people at a local level to mm-hmm. like make their own businesses and things like that yeah and so yeah it was working with these researchers when i found out about the malaria stuff and mm-hmm. that's the other thing like when i was saying how's the data collected it's like okay malaria went down by a huge percent in like right. 2010 or something like that <laughs> right. but like part of it was because they changed the way the rapid diagnostic tests yes so they went from like diagnosing almost every fever as malaria because you want to be on the safe side like it wasn't a bad thing it's like you malaria is a problem was a problem Mm -hmm. and like if you give everyone with a fever the malaria drugs more people are going to live than if you don't give everyone with a fever the malaria right right but they came out with a rapid diagnostic test that's you know in a packet it's a finger prick it's you know that you get immediate results and all of a sudden the malaria cases like go down by half or 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 more right which a bunch Um, of billionaires high five and say we did it we wiped malaria out but part of it might be well the reporting was see that's the stuff that interests me yeah because that wouldn't be the first place your brain yeah. goes. You would just see, well, we spent the money and then it went down yeah. or something like that. You know, one to one, guys. I might be um, misunderstanding the science, but I believe that malaria, the malaria medicine actually cures other stuff too. Like there's, okay. a, there's some like an, maybe one of the malaria it. medicines has antibiotics in it or something. So you're still improving people's health. Like it's not untrue mm-hmm. that people's health isn't improved. But I think all this is to say, like, even with science, even with randomized controlled trials and mm-hmm. stuff and the the malaria thing was actually like it was an impact evaluation we weren't doing a randomized control trials but sure. i i could give more examples about that but sure. even when the science is like really sound the social science like it's it's still complicated um, right that's kind of that's the things that i'm interested in because mm-hmm. i know like the course that you went mm-hmm. through probably was yeah. a lot about that rigor of separating out what we would love to think is true from what mm-hmm. we 
you know, we know is true and that kind of stuff. And like, I, I want to kind of apply this to like the last, I mean, it'll, it'll date this podcast a little mm-hmm. bit, but like, mm-hmm. let's say the last like four or five big social justice things that mm-hmm. I've seen uh, take off. So like um, the Me Too movement, okay. um, the Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. all the spicy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gun, gun control. Um, I'm trying to think. There's probably immigration. Immigration. Yeah. That's actually probably yeah. the fourth one I was thinking yeah. of. You had actually t- talked a little bit about immigration mm-hmm. with me recently. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, like I said, help me a little bit because I'm I'm trying not to be cold, but I see, uh, let's look at like Me Too. Okay. So, and this is the movement that's about sexual um, harassment of mm-hmm. women, which mm-hmm. absolutely goes on, absolutely is an issue mm-hmm. if it happens, you yeah. know, when it yeah. happens. Um, the thing that came out early on with that one was believe the victim. Like mm-hmm. I heard some people say yeah. that. And that was one thing where as much as I really wanted to side with the idea, it felt like we put facts on the back burner. We go right to, um, I'm just picking this one out. Yeah, of the, it yeah, could be any yeah. of them. We go right to um, believe the victim, whatever it is. And we're not so, and I heard people even say, you shouldn't ask for evidence. Those kind of things kind of frighten me a little bit because mm-hmm. I worry what happens if you keep that mindset going. And I don't know if you worry about this with, mm-hmm. with your own daughter and things mm-hmm. like the types of attitudes that you teach and kids pick up or whatever. A lot of this is about the kids, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah, youth, it's whatever. All, it's uh, all about the children. Yeah, yeah, the children. But as an attitude, whenever you see something, you know, to react of, well, first let's, let's take the person point blank seriously without checking to see are there facts around it. As bad as that sounds, I feel like the opposite would be a bigger problem maybe i don't know do you have an opinion on that I don't yeah know. so it's a hard question yeah i like the questions important question um yeah i feel like with sexual violence sometimes there's just no way to have evidence and so true and like true true i feel like we could go back and like fact check or something well, like, right somebody touched someone um, in a boardroom how do you really know yeah well i, I actually mean, saw a female right. lawyer say that a lot of those cases end as a not a mistrial, but as a, just at, they just sure. end because yeah. there isn't anywhere yeah. to go. Yeah, but back yeah. to the science of it. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's kind like, of like yeah. I, this is not my area of expertise, sure. but I believe that yeah. we could go back and find studies that show that sexual violence goes unreported a lot, and right. that like right. it's usually against women. Mm-hmm. It's not always against women, you know. No, I believe but that. Um, these are things you can find out through studies where like we know when mm-hmm. we ask a survey that it's not going to be 100% accurate. But like social scientists know like what the like accuracy percentage of a survey is going to be. And so <laughs> there's ways of approximating how prevalent it is without having the evidence. And I believe that the frequency of of, of real cases of real cases right. is that the cases where someone's lying about sexual violence right, are right. dwarfed in comparison. Okay. And I see so that. so mm-hmm. so like yeah, believe the victim it was just the mindset of, well, let's not worry as much about whether it's true or not and worry because there is a consequence. Now, I'm going to sound like the world's worst, <laughs> no, uh, whatever, chauvinist. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's men. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's men or women who have mm-hmm. done the yeah. abuse. Mm-hmm. A lot of times lately, especially the career gets ruined. The life is yep. changed. Yep. It might be in a small way. Yeah. Some of these people will probably bounce back. Some of these yeah. people will never come back. So you're talking about yeah. the career of the... It's suspected a, abuser right right whether yeah. that's a man or a woman yeah. the the quickness with which we 
pronounced guilt. Mm -hmm. That I do worry about. Right. And it's kind of like with a lot of the recent cases, you're seeing people getting fired or getting like publicly shamed um, without ever going to trial. Different levels of harm uh, depending on different. I mean, obviously, I think the the punishment should fit the crime. So. You know, whether you've done, you know, like a person who mm-hmm. flashed someone versus a person who raped someone, obviously, mm-hmm. I think that your sure. your scale yeah. of punishment goes up. Yeah. But there are consequences now. And I feel like the consequences sometimes hit yeah. before the, it's it's clear. I don't so, know. But you're saying maybe on average, it's real yeah. enough of a problem that we can afford to make a couple mistakes here and there because overall we'll be doing better. Yeah. I mean, I hate, you know, make the mistakes, but I hate more the like knowing that there's victims mm. like I, I feel like right. I'm really happy that the Me Too mm-hmm. movement is happening because I think if we can get these issues out into the open I mean mm-hmm. I feel like as a society maybe we're just working out mm-hmm. like how to make this better but and that's if why we I, can I partly, protect people yeah. in the future mm-hmm. um, let me say something about sure. um, like is it fair about like the few like I I would say they're like high profile handful of cases where like a man's career right. was ruined. Um, mm-hmm. I told you, you I would sound like the worst person no, you're, for saying that because all these people have money well, yeah, and they're so, fine. You know what I mean? I, I I mean well an example in yeah. Pittsburgh would be like Ben Roethlisberger who who was accused and then it was mm-hmm. actually a lie. I guess it was thrown out. He's fine. You know yeah. I I don't know if there's people that are on a smaller scale yeah. that couldn't absorb that level of um yeah. something on their on their record a spot like that yeah. if it was if it was just an allegation and it seems like i'm not as worried about professional Kevin athletes Spacey. have like mm-hmm. gotten a little more of a pass than like um the right. people in media right um i just i want to say that the victims <laughs> never got a chance to mm-hmm. have a career a lot of the victims right. like yeah. their lives were ruined in secret mm. they weren't allowed to talk about it and sexual violence like can feel like it's ruining your life like i hate to say it it ruins your life because because i hate to look at the victims and be like your life was ruined you know well and like you said there's degrees i mean that's a broad term that right right talking about again flashing all the way up to raping (laughs) different levels of uh, affecting your life right but but like when uh typically man in a position mm-hmm. of power mm-hmm. i'll come to that for like, sure by the way ha- right has like multiple victims like it's it's not just about the like physical and emotional trauma mm-hmm. that can you know really hurt your life in all areas of life but it's also like a career thing like if we're like worried about ruining one abusive man's career like what about all the female like victims whose careers were ruined or never got a chance or they were blocked or Mm -hmm. they weren't respected or or so so like i don't think you're a monster like i understand (laughs) where you're coming from but i I'm glad we're having these conversations That's what because I was say. It's, it's like obviously you can tell how awkward it is because a lot of this is fresh territory. Yeah. But that's kind of yeah. what I want to do with this podcast yeah. is yeah. I want to get to get a chance to talk about things that are so taboo yeah. apparently that you shouldn't yeah. discuss them, but we have to. Yeah. And I mean we may have baby words for half of this <laughs> stuff right now, but like, you know, I, I need to bring that up. Yeah. Because I do think it's worth worth mentioning. Yeah. But I also want to hear someone like you and give your side because Maybe you're right. Maybe the the damage is so much more massive that mm-hmm. if a few people get caught accidentally in the sweep, mm-hmm. that it's worth it 
I don't know if that, you know, if you'd apply that to all areas of life. It's but it's certainly it's, an ethical right, debate right. Um, that can be had. But but it's one I haven't heard before, and I'm, and I'm glad to hear that. You know, yeah. like, well, the idea behind it isn't to be, screw the facts. It's to be, you know, let's catch 90% by being a little bit weird mm-hmm. and, and occasionally getting yeah. some innocent yeah. people. And maybe they'll be fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't just want to spend time on that. Obviously, uh, it's not. Yeah, but like, yeah. uh, so like gun stuff has come up lately. And I, like I said, this will date this podcast, but I think yeah. it's an evergreen. Yeah. It's yeah. an evergreen thing. It'll come up again. And it does yeah. feel like in terms of heartlessness, it feels like we just go back to not caring. And then mm-hmm. there's another mass shooting. We go back mm-hmm. up to caring and yeah. then we go back down. Yeah. It's fast, fast. Uh, sometimes how quickly we mm-hmm. stop caring. Um, but the discussion has been going and going and going mm-hmm. about what to do. And I don't even know. I mean, forgive me if you don't have like a strong opinion sure. on this, yeah. but it's one of these areas I just don't know what to think because I would love to, like I almost came to the point of saying like, yes, let's ban the assault rifle in, entirely. Mm-hmm. Then I wondered, I started hearing some data and looking mm-hmm. at some statistics and are they skewed? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's where a person like mm-hmm. you comes in. Mm-hmm that maybe that would not actually change anything. Uh, It feels like it would. My heart says it would. You know, the idea of a gun that you can survive versus a gun that you maybe can't as often or something. Like the YouTube shooter lately, she had a pistol and everyone I think survived versus an automatic or Mm -hmm. something. So I go, well, ban the assault rifle. That's pretty easy. But Mm -hmm. then I heard somebody say, well, do you allow the shotgun then? Because that could be just as lethal. And I think, oh, now what am I saying? So I like like looking at the stats when it gets really emotional like that. Yeah. During that conversation, we've been a lot of people have been talking about what the kids think, and you probably know yeah. already what I'm going to say uh-huh, about that, uh-huh. which is there is no one more emotionally invested than the kids. Uh-huh. They'd probably be the last people I would ask because I just <laughs> feel like, I know, it sounds so cruel, but they're thinking with their hearts, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're shook up. So what do you think about that? Like other countries try things. Mm-hmm. Do you have any opinions on that? Should I, should I move on to something else? Uh, I have thoughts. Yeah. yeah. You see how statistics could absolutely yeah. help to solve the problem, absolutely. right? Yeah. Because if another country tries something mm-hmm. and it works or not work, we yeah. can take that yeah. data. Obviously, there's yeah. different size countries. Yeah. There's also weird things like, well, most gun violence in this country is pistols, mm-hmm. which is a weird, uncomfortable fact. Mm-hmm. That's like, so the pistol violence wouldn't go away. A lot of those are suicides. Mm-hmm. So then you wonder, and again, if these stats are true yeah. from what I've yeah. read, yeah. if those are suicides, then those probably won't go away either because yeah. the people aren't, they're just killing themselves. Yeah. So, so the, you know, these are big, yeah. complicated yeah. problems that a lot of numbers and stuff could be put against. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. And while we're talking about science and numbers, there is a thing about... Um, I do believe it's a public health crisis. You know, people are dying from physical sure. wounds. Like, yeah. And um, studies like, see, this, <laughs> I'm like pulling from the headlines right yeah, now because like it. we all live yeah. in our, in our bubbles. Yeah, and again, it. it's not my area of expertise, but I yeah. do have like a way of, yeah. of looking at it. Yeah. And my understanding is that we're not able to do public health research on it because it won't get funded because, um, okay. because Congress is in the pocket of the NRA. So that's interesting. We we haven't talked about that, is that science costs money. Yeah. And statistics cost money. So just saying, well, what are the data and numbers? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you run into a social issue and people go, well, there's not a lot of good data yet. And it's like, oh, that's so sad. There's some cool, <laughs> like, citizen data going on where people are, like, combing through, like, news and stuff and putting together mm-hmm. their own data on things. Um, but, yeah, research. possible future of uh, technology yeah. and 
people helping. Yeah, research funding is definitely an important part of the conversation because people are always like, you got to go back to the science. It has mm-hmm. to be backed mm-hmm. by science. But like, if the science isn't happen, you know, people have to That's good feed themselves while they're doing science. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, what? Yeah, and so it, it's complicated. But one thing I would say is that, you know, I have read that statistically, like, if there's a gun in the home, mm-hmm. if you have access to a gun, mm-hmm. you are more likely to, like, kill your wife or kill yourself mm-hmm. uh, than, like, protect your home. Okay. Um, like, it's... It, it, and we could pull up the stats yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on this too, but I, I'm not going to sit here and say take away people's guns. <laughs> no, yeah, um, and it's like my mind is spinning yeah. as you say that because I'm like, okay, so that's two things. And then what are all the other factors? Like that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. I, that, and that's why I like having you on because that's the difficult part about stats, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, the term I heard recently was univariant. Never do a univariant analysis, <sighs> right? Where oh, you, on, yeah, where you yeah. only say, well, you know, America has this many gun deaths and Colombia yeah. has this many. And you don't yeah. look at anything else like, oh, those were all the drug cartel or whatever it right, is. Right, um, I, That's a random example. Right. It might not be true. Yeah. But like in the homes when someone killed their wife and or whatever, right. like what yeah. else is on the table? Yeah. Is it a mental health yeah. issue? Right. And they would have stabbed them mm-hmm. instead. <laughs> you know, I heard recently right. the UK, like they passed New York in homicides with but it was with knives. Yeah, so like yeah. I hear stuff like that and I go, oh boy. When you deal with people, this is the, mm-hmm. the issue you're yep. dealing with. You have yep. a heart for people, mm-hmm. but people are very complicated. Yeah. And all the like social things that are going on. Uh, yeah. Like economic things, mm-hmm. age related things. Yeah. And like copycat kind of stuff. Like something happens somewhere, you're going to hear yep. it Yeah, Batman and the yeah. Joker, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. And so, and I, I like one of the things you pointed out is that there's a great place for the statistics. There's a great place for like randomized controlled trials, which you can mm-hmm. put a lot of faith in the, in the data, but then you need to go to the qualitative research side. Okay. So and, talk about that for a second. Yeah. Cause what, what, what is that? Yeah. What do so, you mean by that? so quantitative research is, mm-hmm. is like the numbers, it's the statistics, right. Right. qualitative. And this is a whole, like there's people doing research and studies all over the place that are on the qualitative side. That's like, looking at just the human i mean i'm basically translating back to you in like i need it (laughs) um in like academic terms like what you just said to me like it's not just about the numbers it's also about the people and so so like like talking now that could sound Mm -hmm. like it's just about Mm -hmm. people's feelings or something um yeah so kind of partly what you're saying yeah so qualitative research there's a lot of different like research methodologies that are Mm -hmm. that are qualitative but like say you collect hard data on we can use the gun gun thing Mm -hmm. so like okay yeah wait guns are a gun in the home is much more likely to like kill the wife or or kill yourself than like be used to protect the home okay Mm -hmm. so so we have the numbers on that and those were taken from you know records but then we want to dig into the people side so one thing you can do with qualitative research is go back to places where that happened, talk to the people involved, look at the houses, you start gathering themes. Like when you go oh, in, you're, okay. you're not going to know what's going to happen that first time. So you have that one conversation and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm writing down this, ha- you know, I saw like, you know, depression or I saw, you know, financial worries. Things um, that might be outside yeah. the numbers. Yeah. And of. then, and then you yeah. go to the next house and you see, oh, here, I actually didn't see that. I saw, you know, some other problems. And and once you talk to 100 people, you have all these themes and then you can start looking at like you you're almost taking the qualitative and then make it making it into quantitative. They they 
help yeah. each other maybe yeah totally and so it's complicated but there are ways of like yeah. exploring it and and looking at it yeah do you, i don't know if you remember this interview i saw i i stay out of a lot of political news mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. but i i did see it was during the trump election there was an interview with newt gingrich i think and okay. they were telling they were telling him the fbi statistics for crime mm-hmm. okay this reporter mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. was saying the fbi says that crime is down statistically mm-hmm. okay and he said well people don't feel that way And then it had to do with the reason that Trump was hammering on how bad America was. Mm -hmm. We'll make it great again. Apparently, it's not good now, so we'll make it great again. It's this feeling that we need to go back Mm -hmm. to the way it was. And Mm -hmm. the reporter was just giving him like, well, well, the crime crime Mm crime-wise, just one factor. Things are better now than ever. Mm -hmm. And he just said, well, I represent the people, and the people don't feel that way. And she was saying, but the facts are not with you. And I watched that and I was like, this is really interesting because I'm sure elections have turned on how the people feel a thing is going. And I know that I have at times been like, man, things suck or whatever. And then someone will go, well, the research suggests this. So then I wonder with the qualitative thing, Mm -hmm. if I would have been interviewed and I, you know, Mm -hmm. would I have said, well, yeah, it really is a problem in my sphere, you know, whatever. And then they say, well, the stats don't line yeah. up with you right and do do the people feel that way because of what they see in their lives or because right. of the yeah. headlines that they read well that's what i worried yeah. about and this can kind of transition a little bit to race because a few years ago i think we talked and i said you know racism is probably over right and you were like uh i remember and i i i, I thank you for not completely like you know destroying me in the moment or whatever but i was like you know, just my experience. Mm-hmm. I was looking, I was like, Obama's the president. Mm-hmm. Hamilton is the number one musical. Yeah. Uh, Oprah is the richest woman in the America. Yeah. And, you know, whatever the other example. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Black Panther is a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think racism is over, guys. And yeah, then I we saw, made it. <laughs> we made it. And I saw you later post on Facebook. And I don't think it was pointed directly at me. No, but yeah. you said, I know some people think racism is over. <laughs> I remember seeing that and I thought, oh, shoot. And it, yeah, this is before. No, yeah, it's fine. This is like in the in the last days of me being online, not because of that post, but it was like I was like, I bet that's directed at me. But I, I, it was you were sharing some news story about racial violence or something, mm-hmm. and clearly, I don't know everything that's going on. I'm seeing it from my largely like entertainment yeah, sources, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, Black Panther making a billion dollars is not a jo- is no joke. No, that's a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of people awesome. went and saw that movie. Mm-hmm. But I look at that kind of stuff and then I'm like, okay, so I overstated it. Racism is over, <laughs> you know? Um, a lot of people I know are in interracial relationships, things like that. All the girls in my high school dated interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. And so so I was just looking at it. Well, racism is, if it is a, if it is a problem, it's a much smaller problem now. That's what it seems like to me. Um, and then I'll see a thing where someone will say, ah, but did you see this cop that shot this person or mm-hmm. this? Yeah. Or did you yeah. see this... Um, whatever right one yeah. nazis showed up at, at this rally or something and then i wonder in the moment is it who's having the who's having the experience that's their experience and who's realizing the big picture i don't know you know in that yeah. moment i'm like is all of my hamilton and black panther that i'm seeing just my like bubble and really there's a ton of racism going on or is it that you know, we see a story, we read it how we want to and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I'm not asking you to like solve racism or anything like that, but it's kind of like goes to like determining the size of the problem. Yeah, yeah. That issue, especially lately, has been like, I hear everything from 
similar to what I'm thinking of like, well, it must be a much smaller problem now, you know, mm-hmm. but then I hear people who say it is a systemic issue coursing through this poisoned country. We are, we have not shaken off the chains of slavery yet or the, the, mm-hmm. the, the bad history, mm-hmm. the ghost, yeah. which I think is definitely true in some extent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cops are corrupt, you know, and it gets, so I see all kinds of extremes. Yeah. I see all kinds of things and I just, I don't know which to believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, do you feel that way? I mean, maybe I shouldn't assume that you even have like a take <laughs> Oh no, a racism is over, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that was obviously <laughs> an extreme bad uh, statement to make because that's, yeah, no. that's the far end of uh, it. Well, I don't think so. I mean, okay, I, I want to say that I, it's not true, but I don't think it's a bad statement to make. I mean, it's the whole reason you're doing this podcast. Like yeah. we can't not talk about it. And so... Yeah. If you didn't have that thought, we might have not had that conversation. Right, and yeah. so, and I'm sorry if I if no, you felt like I targeted you. No, it was only you. funny because you said, "I know some people don't well, think," and I yeah. was like, "Oh shoot!" I remember a post that I did about <laughs> people. Um, so, so you're white, I'm white. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter is biracial, mm-hmm. black and white, African and American. Truly African American. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Um, Zambian American, and um, so. I remember making a Facebook post about people talking about like white parents talking about their white children being colorblind. And um, uh, right. it seems like that was such a big a term nice... when I was growing up. Be colorblind. Yeah. You know, there yeah. were shirts that had like different like colors, yeah. hands like touching. Yeah. And stuff. You it, that? It's a nice <laughs> feeling. It, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of at least white people um, feel that it's like a very positive thing. And, and I don't think I would have had a reaction to it if I didn't have my daughter. And like, I mean, I hope that I would have cared as much about race if I didn't have a brown daughter. Um, But, but like, it definitely makes things like that hit home. And, and I have real examples of like, okay, I'm not answering your question. I'm giving an anecdote and then maybe we'll move on. But um, the first thing that we teach children is about colors. Like when they're babies, we're like red, green, blue, yellow. And it's like, what's your favorite color? And so, (laughs) so like literally like you can't tell me that you're, that you or your child don't see race because it's like, it's literally the first, like one of the first things we learn besides ABCs. I mean, it's like pre ABCs. Like, well, I guess the expression, I don't see color is, is not literal, but it's it's that, that person's color doesn't change how I think. Right. But the other thing is supposed to be right. Right. So, uh, and yeah, yes, let's get straight on semantics. We don't mean they literally don't see it. We, but, but, I think it's important to like yeah. throw that out. So my daughter is brown. She's been around black people, brown people, white people. And, right. but like most of the Disney princesses are blonde and white, <laughs> you know, right. most of, of like the like media that she's been exposed to. And, and a lot of the people she's been exposed to since we've been living in America are, are white. And, mm-hmm. and that's just the, you know, neighborhoods and, and yeah. the places that I've been, um, as much as I try to like, you know, give her a multicultural exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was, when she was really young, she like told me she wanted to look like Elsa and, and like completely innocently, but it's this like internalized thing where like, if your white child says they want to look like Elsa, there's no like, you're not like, ah, you know, <laughs> like I like freaked out. Um, and, and like, you, you worried know, about maybe what it said to her yeah. or something and so that she you was somehow wrong. Like, for- yeah. And I mean, I just thinking about like your white children being colorblind, like they don't have to worry about, like you, you mentioned like mm-hmm. headlines about people being shot. Like mm-hmm. your white children don't have to worry about their father, like, being pulled over and and so like there's this colorblindness yeah. is just i don't know it's just it's a goal um, 
It was supposed yeah, to be a good goal. Yeah, yeah, like treating people equally. Yeah. Right. So, um, like, I, this may sound super mm-hmm. white, dumb guy, mm-hmm. simple, whatever. But I remember this is like the Martin Luther King speech: is uh, people will be judged someday, hopefully, by the color, yeah, not by yeah, the color of the yeah. skin, but the content of their character. Did yeah, I say that right? Yeah. So that has always been my picture of yeah. the perfect racial relation: is when I see you, of course, I can see yeah. that you're a different color. Yeah. yeah. But that it doesn't inform me yeah. on anything. Yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. could be. Uh, 10 times smarter than I am um, and is the case of a lot of black people or mm-hmm. people of different yeah, colors are yeah. than me um, almost every race probably has some, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's um, and now that I think you, about yeah. it to just look at somebody and just automatically think you know anything about them that's yeah. the part that feels weird to yeah. me yeah and um, yeah so I think we all have internal biases in- including me including you like mm-hmm, as much mm-hmm. as like intellectually <laughs> right. we can agree that um, we should be judging people by the content of their character like so i think i'm i'm conflating a little bit like yeah. i'm projecting a little bit because because i can i do believe you can teach your children to treat everybody the same i i do mm-hmm. believe that um mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard in america to protect them from like the things that are going to feed into internal biases like sure. like the reason why the reason why everyone's afraid of black men like it's not necessarily because we're like oh black men i think i'm going to be afraid of them because i'm going to be mean and like rude and be afraid of them it's it's like saying. media and mm-hmm. things like that but I think I'm conflating like how we feel about others with like the structural stuff. And so mm-hmm. the structural stuff is why my daughter, we have to talk about race mm-hmm. and we can't be colorblind because I mean, colorblind in the sense of like treating everyone the same, like it shouldn't be called colorblind. It should be like called mm-hmm. like color appreciative or something mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. people of different like races and ethnicities have different experiences and yeah that's where i want to say so, that like people have different experiences you know what i mean i i yeah. just that's the thing i don't know i mean you i'm sure you've heard the term identity politics mm-hmm. people talk a lot about this now that mm-hmm. it's starting to feel and again going to the kids um, the children <laughs> it's, it's starting to yeah. feel like a big thing with mm-hmm. youth whatever yeah. now is yeah. what group do i fall into Mm-hmm. And very much tying myself to that. Now, we were both brought up in Christian mm-hmm. families. I don't think that your Christian family was like my Christian family. <laughs> uh, and that's a cool thing. Yeah, I, I like, yeah. I like, and I, and my wife has even said, like, you were one of the first Christian families that she knew. Mm-hmm. So she assumed that they were all this welcoming of uh-huh. random uh-huh. types of people <laughs> and stuff. And then when she yeah. had met other ones who were more like maybe protective, bubbly, mm-hmm. sheltered, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like mine or whatever. That that surprised her because oh that I thought I knew what Christians were like I feel like people are getting very excited about the group they belong to mm-hmm. and almost we're we're doing that labeling thing a, a lot where it's like he's a conservative she's okay, a liberal yeah he's a yeah, Christian so he yeah. must follow these ten principles sure so <laughs> my wife was just telling me about a person that she met who was a lesbian stoner trump supporter <laughs> that's right? special yeah so immediately i laughed and was like i love it because it, it's it's like it breaks a lot of potential yeah, stereotypes yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's also a real thing yeah and like that's what i i worry about with the whole like uh, we know automatically when we meet a person how they now i i hope i'm not sounding like i don't think that mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. racial things that happen in the country that have, are still mm-hmm. literally affecting mm-hmm. how yeah. things are now yeah that could tell you a lot about how that person is. But there's also some people who have a completely different experience despite whatever the group they supposedly fall into. And I don't love the idea of people being told, this is how you your group should act, okay? Like, this is your jacket, this is your uniform. I think you would not like that in terms of 
whatever group or whatever you might associate with. It's like, so that, that these are, I, I'm yeah. just, I'm here to yeah. give you my concerns yeah. and you can tell me where you, you know. So yeah, for every yeah. like hundred thousand black uh, skeptical Hillary supporters, mm-hmm. you're going to have one like black Confederate. Uh, there are black guy. rednecks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and as crazy as it might sound, I love the idea because I'm like, that exists. Yeah. Now, I, if I would have seen that person just and, and gone on some stereotype in my mind, I would have probably said, well, I already know. This would be, I think, the wrong way to think. I already mm-hmm. know what, what their political views are. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right. I feel yeah. like I should yeah. be like, hi, I'm Brad. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go, oh, I'm way into Dungeons and Dragons. And I go, whoa. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So, that, um, that, is that crazy? Because yeah. I feel like that's the 80s, 90s me uh, of like, before you mm-hmm. think you know about a person, yeah. you talk to them, right? You, oh, yeah, absolutely. The individual yeah. idea. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good way to live. Um, back to like, yeah, like, like no, let's, let's keep that, like keeping that in mind. Yeah, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Back to like statistics and, yeah. and stuff. So yeah. like we can say like, oh, yeah, you know, this minority person agrees with like what I think. So like <laughs> I must be, I mean, that, that's not what you're saying, no, but I, I feel like a mean. lot of people are like, yeah. oh, well, there's this minority person who who has my same belief. So yeah, I must be sure. right. Um, and, and you're going to find people of every right. like race Right. Uh, at, at least someone like on right. every like in, in every like kind of subgroup of like politically, if, if race yeah. is really just skin color mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. then that's what you would expect. Yeah. That people and, would be right. And let me just throw this out there. Race yeah. isn't like race doesn't actually exist. It's not actually a scientific thing. Okay. But, so um, yeah, that's probably where it's I... like another, another separate thing. Yeah, Cause yeah. where do you I've like heard that. one thing that was really powerful to Drawing me. So um, the, the Carnegie museum here in Pittsburgh had right. this exhibit on race a couple years ago. And, mm. and something I found really powerful, like I I've heard people say, Oh, race is a social construct. Race doesn't exist. But one thing that right. really made it hit home was like, if you like, if you're standing in like the part of Africa with the, darkest people (laughs) and you walk to norway you're not gonna cross a border and be like oh i was with black people now i'm with arab people like it's gonna blend right all the way until you get there right and so there's not like a place where you're like and here like any lines and that's places where there's largely still within a contained culture a place like america where people are just merging and blending yeah and and that's partly what prompted my oh racism seems like it's ending thing was a lot of my friends were in Mm. interracial relationships and also were naming their kids all these really interesting (laughs) ethnic names and i was having to learn how to pronounce them all and i was like things definitely feel like they're changing but that was obviously my my bubble or whatever but you know yeah so things are changing race doesn't exist exist. that's really even more sounds like the idea of race i was saying it doesn't it's not much more than skin you're mm-hmm. saying it might not even be even that yeah. like but but it is important like so yeah. as much as it doesn't exist it is important to talk about because right. people there discrimination does exist because discrimination exists yeah discrimination it, it's, it's made into yeah. a real problem even if it isn't yeah one, right so we have internal biases mm-hmm. we all do and i think an important thing to realize when when people are calling each other racist is that <laughs> is that we all have internal biases so like if i call someone racist that doesn't mean that i haven't been dealing with my own racism. I think that was like a a big like step for me. And 
I've talked to my students about this a lot and they've mm-hmm. taught me a lot about mm-hmm. like being comfortable being uncomfortable. So I think a lot of people who are like, I'm not racist and racism doesn't exist and and like mm-hmm. everything is fine and, and make America great again or, or whatever. <laughs> like I'm stereotyping there. But I think it's hard as a white person to, a well-meaning white person to recognize mm-hmm. that like we do all have internal biases and, and it's something like with my black friends, with my mm-hmm. Asian friends, friends of different ethnicities, I hope that they will continue to like call me out when I say something offensive Mm. and like Mm. even like well-meaning people like I'm very lucky to have people I'm comfortable with enough to be like Holly mm," you know I I hear the mm a lot now that seems like that's the new you've done something immoral (laughs) right right and so mm, it can't like end with the mm right yeah it's it's like that was problematic right like what does that mean yeah so you need like you need someone to you I don't mean you Brad I mean like we (gasps) like we need someone to like handhold us through like figuring that out and sometimes the handholding is like you googling it for yourself okay like why is this thing that i did wrong um i know there's there's like fatigue with traditionally marginalized folks whether it's like people from the lgbt community or mm-hmm. blacks or or whatever teaching their white friends or teaching their like i i've heterosexual heard, I've heard a lot of this recently of like it's not our job to teach you i I may be here where that's coming from, but unfortunately, I think it's important because well, I like yeah. I'm sitting down with you in order to learn some things. If we right, don't, if, right? I mean, you said there is Google. So right. So so if we don't have these conversations, we so may if, never change. Right. So and, if you know. okay, so I'll give you an example. Like yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I have a friend who I I can't remember exactly what I asked her to do, but I think I asked her to be on a panel about something about like diversity, and and she's right. black. Yeah. And and she was like Holly. <laughs> She she didn't say it in so many words, but she basically had me understand, like, you're kind of tokenizing me right now. Like that and, she would have thoughts on it because she's black. Well, I mean, I, it, like she's that. someone who I know right. has thoughts about it. And we've had, like, I wouldn't right, just right. pick on my black friend and be like, hey, can you you're be black. on this panel Speak about being black? black? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, she's someone we've had this conversation and someone who has right. spoken about it before. But, right. but I think in this moment, it was like, Holly, white people actually need to hear from you. Because, like, I can talk all day, Mm. but, like, why don't you tell your story about, like, how you learned about this thing? Because they're going to relate to it if they hear it from you more than they are going to relate to it if they hear it from me. And I can can totally see that. But, but, um, so I think there are people who are willing to be the, like, teachers, be the cultural ambassadors. And I I know, like, I have a couple of Muslim friends who are, like, totally ready to, like, come to churches, come to white America, and just be like, hey, look, I'm a Muslim. Let's talk. Let's be friends. Maybe that goes to their genetics. Maybe, You you talked about your your big heart. This is the area that I really love, Mm -hmm. is I love conversation. I will not shut up sometimes at a party, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and I love asking questions, but I've noticed that a lot of people get uncomfortable with that. They don't want to do that. And so maybe (laughs) it is that there are teachers and there are uh, helpers and yeah. there are all these things and, and not everyone right yeah just, right and i i hear yeah. that i hear that but i do think the teaching mm-hmm. is important the answering of those questions yeah for example like i don't hear it asked a lot but like how do you define racist because these are terms that are get thrown around really quickly as well you get an f in being a person because <laughs> you are one of the ists yeah. you know you're homophobic yeah. sexist or yeah. racist and it's like I, I don't normally hear, well, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah. what is it to be yeah. racist? Because, yeah. you know, sometimes that gets yeah, uh, just, oh, you used one word incorrectly. Yeah. Maybe you didn't know. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I can see an extreme. Yeah. Um, and I am i don't, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like give the definitive answer of racism right now, but. Here it but, comes. Yeah, here it comes, folks. Um, but I think um, 
just does to that throw, feel like to a good place a couple, to start yeah, some yeah. conversation because it's like two people may have different ideas of how to define yeah. that term i once yeah. was talking to a kid about he said everyone's so homophobic now and i said just how you know how do you define that whatever and he said well you know they just think it's wrong but i was thinking to me when i hear homophobic i think fear of gay people yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know which sounds yeah. like fear yeah. of spiders yeah. yeah um i don't think oh. everyone is like that you know yeah. it's just an example yeah. but it's like racist yeah. might mean one thing to someone yeah. and, right there's like using the n-word sure sure um and there's you know there's have th- there's internal bias and and there's like having negative feelings towards people who don't right. look like you right there's and and they're all levels i mean there are people there are people who will say that that if you're black you can't be racist and and there's a definition of racism out there that's linked to um power power exactly yeah, i've heard and, that too yeah. do you buy into that because um, i do feel like anyone could be racist you know right right and, well, and there are actually countries that are <laughs> really racist towards each other even though they by all outside standards would look kind of similar right so you know, or you're whatever, using like, a definition wow. of racism when you say that yeah sure. and right yeah, true and so i mean yeah. honestly like semantics I, like if Maybe we want a wanna, good place to start yeah I don't know. yeah man i don't even know like what what i'm answering right now well, i think i think different i don't think there is a, as clear an answer because different people use it differently yeah. when you hear someone accuse you of something I think most people just automatically either say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, or they'll react badly yeah, of, I'm yeah, not that way. Yeah, like you said, yeah, the angry yeah. person that says, I'm not that way. But it's probably better to just yeah. decide what we both meant by that. Yeah, you know? I, I think it's it's an important practice to start getting comfortable being uncomfortable, not not being afraid to. Like, yeah. I'm really yeah, happy yeah. that you're like asking these things and something I think like hopefully listeners, if they haven't like done this before, is like if someone if someone calls you out, like that hurts and you can get defensive and I can get defensive. You could immediately retreat. Yeah. But something is like, okay, let's sit with that discomfort and be like, okay, was I wrong? Were they wrong? How can I do better in the future? Like, and and maybe it's not, um, it's just, it's a continual process and I'm trying to improve myself and Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't, I I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily define racism, but I think like back. <laughs> but I want to. I want to go back for a second to right, like, yeah. is it worse? And oh sure, yeah, um, I'm and sorry. And back to like science. Like, yes. I would highly recommend. Um, there's a book called The New Jim Crow, and okay. the person who wrote it is Michelle Alexander. And so, like, if you're into books, you can read the book. If you want to learn about it, but don't want to sit down and read it, or, like mm-hmm. I actually listened to the audiobook and okay. it was really powerful. But um, she also has like videos on YouTube that that are shorter that you can like get yeah. some bits and pieces of it. But she's basically is it very statistics kind of driven thing. Well, is that why you bring it up? Or? Yeah. So like when we're talking about is racism worse? Um, she or basically what's the size of right. The problem so or she what, you know? basically walks us through like okay. We had slavery, slavery, right. slavery ended. When slavery ended, there was supposed to be an amount of reparations. Right. Like there's, what, what was it? Like two acres and a mule or 10 acres and a mule or something. Like people were supposed to get have something, something to get right. get started and, and they never got that. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that had repercussions that are still impacting right, things right. today. I but, believe that for Right, sure. and so, but right. it's easy to say that, but the book is cool because it walks you through like, okay, then we had Jim Crow where mm-hmm. like, Blacks did not have the same rights as whites. And like saying that, like there's people who could pass as white and like, again, like race, like what is it? And and you and I have parents who are probably dealing with some of this as kids. Yeah. Like it's not that long ago. Yeah, absolutely. And so like. And that's a uniquely black American problem, right? It's mm -hmm, a little bit different from the issue of race entirely. Yeah. It's. But it's it's about the way that that group is treated in this country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so 
Jim Crow ended and right. all of a sudden we're not allowed to make any laws based on race. So so it felt like Sounds everything, like a good thing. Right. Everything <laughs> is fair now. No, it is a good thing. Right, everything right. like it's supposed to be that everything is fair now, but it's but not the ghost fair. of the old things are still yeah. there. And so there's things that are happening that so when it's like, okay, racism is over because we can't make any laws that are against like a certain race. It doesn't it doesn't automatically yeah. undo all the past. But things you can do are make choices based on housing um, and things like that. Yeah, like housing and and so she kind of takes us through how the mass incarceration it, like her the whole thesis of the book is that mass incarceration is the new Jim Crow that's why it's called the new Jim Crow I've heard that it seems like mm. that the protest or whatever mm. switched from okay we can't drink it from the same water fountain mm-hmm. or go to the same yeah. bathroom yeah. to the new thing is prisons yeah that's an area where I really don't know yeah. what to think so, because I go well is a prison are you in prison because you committed a crime you know what I mean? <laughs> right. As so, dumb as that may sound. Right. So this is why I want is, you yeah, and yeah. and listeners yeah, to, yeah. to read the book if you get a chance, because she walks you through like, it's not just like, oh, crime, prison. There's all these steps. <laughs> so there's like, right. which which neighborhoods get policed and which crimes get policed? Okay. Oh, interesting. And there's like, there's racial implications there. Like white people and black people, science says we do drugs at the same rate. What? What? And but like the people going to jail for drugs, black people are going to j- black and brown people are going to jail for drugs way more than right. than That's than white one of those people. things where when I hear yeah. that, I go, okay, that's two factors. Yeah. And so then are they all the factors? Right. Then I they don't walk know. Right. right. So they they walk you through. So we know like no, it's not only black people in America who are going to jail. Mm. So there's like race and poverty. Um, I was gonna say get, it, like is money a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously we're not gonna summarize the whole book right. now. But right. I I wanna but give you yeah, a chance so to recommend like, that. So she she walks you through like there's like wh- who gets policed when you get arrested who actually gets kept and who gets let go when you're prosecuted what kind of sentencing do you get and each like even when you're in jail who gets let go early and each step there are a conflation of like racial bias poverty mm. but it's a pretty strong argument that like it is still institutional impacting. racism so even that's if that's the word yeah even that's, if that's each individual person out. isn't right. like i hate black people like like there are things that are keeping is, is black there people elements down. of an old system that are still there kind of in, in yeah, some extents yeah. maybe, that weren't even set up by the people currently in the system but that may still right. be impacting that's yeah. good I, I hope people will yeah. check that out yeah. I mean, these are the questions that i have like i said yeah. i haven't made my mind up but when i hear a thing like prisons are more full of what certain type of person i just i automatically wonder what all of the factors are and because it's just I just, I just it's, everything is mm-hmm. so complicated i just don't want to jump to almost i feel like what a <laughs> a stereotypically racist person might do and be like i know why you know because x and yeah. immediately jump to that so it sounds like that's a good like maybe more thorough treatment mm-hmm. i love that um i want to give you your time uh, here and, and yeah. just be, start wrapping this up but you had mentioned uh your students being comfortable to be uncomfortable uh-huh. this is the third of my worries about today's okay culture or whatever i I mentioned the the big hearts and the i don't know if we Mm -hmm. pay enough attention to facts Mm -hmm. and things the conversation we just had Mm -hmm. we were talking about all these possibly uncomfortable things we're trying to air air out those things understand things what it looks like to me is people are less and less excited about doing that and more and more about and obviously this sounds kind of like a broad Mm -hmm. generalization but more and more about safe spaces 
uh, trigger warnings, uh-huh. these kind of terms. I know I know it's so easy to make fun of, yeah. but these are terms people use. Mm-hmm. And you said you work yeah. in, with college students, yeah. which I bring yeah. it up because co- yeah. some colleges are like the prime example of this now. Yeah. Where when yeah. I think of a college, and this may be an old-fashioned idea, uh-huh. but I think of a college as you're becoming an adult. So you go into a you know, a space where all of your ideas are challenged and mm-hmm. you decide what kind of an adult you're mm-hmm. going to be. Everything comes at you. I mean, I know a lot of, um, we grew up in Christian families. Mm-hmm. A lot of Christians I know went into college and had professors who really like forced them to confront things about their beliefs, right? They mm-hmm. were challenging, yeah. but yeah. they heard that and either went one way or another mm-hmm. way, but they became who they were and they they went through a ringer. Yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like that's what you pay college mm-hmm. to do. What it feels like now, and I'm sure you already can see where I'm going yeah, with this, yeah. is that you you have a place where let's make sure we're all as comfortable as possible in what we already <laughs> think. And if anyone, cha- I actually heard someone say this uh-huh. the other day, so yeah. I'm not I'm not just yeah. making this yeah. up. Someone said it was about Mike Rowe, who's like Dirty Jobs, whatever that host of that TV show. Okay. He said Mike Rowe has said some challenging things or troubling things recently, mm-hmm. so let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about Mike Rowe. So they just mm-hmm. put him on the side, right? Okay. I hear this expressed in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways of that's challenging, Mm -hmm. so let's not talk about Mm -hmm. it. Or uh, I was out at breakfast with an individual. I won't name who they are, but Mm -hmm. the Fox News was on at the breakfast Mm -hmm. place. By Mm -hmm. the way, fantastic breakfast place. (laughs) But Fox News was on and he said, I can't come back here Mm -hmm. because Fox News is on. Mm -hmm. I can't support Mm -hmm. this anymore. Yeah. And this kind of stuff to me is brain poison. It's Mm -hmm. basically like I'm set that I know the right answer now and I will not allow anything to affect it you know what i mean now, i'm yeah. doing in a very extreme version because i'm sure <laughs> even hearing that you said some students say it's okay to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. maybe gives me some amount of hope yeah. i don't know if they mean it yeah. in a twist in another yeah. way yeah but this is my concern and like you've been working with a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of students stuff, so maybe you have a more in, yeah. inroad yeah but do you have the same concern i mean because you are big heart big brain mm-hmm. i and i'm just going to keep using that as, the, as you i'm going to uh-huh. sum you up okay um do you have some of that concern or are you all in on this idea of trigger warning, safe space kind of stuff? Like I, I understand probably it comes out of a good place. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to talk too much, mm-hmm. but do you kind of see where I'm coming from yeah. with that of like, yeah. if this is the attitude we have towards mm-hmm. challenging ideas, mm-hmm. we, for example, those Christians who went in, would the idea have been, I'm a Christian. I believe in this. Never confront me with any ideas despite whatever you think because this is my yeah. it's gonna affect yeah. my feelings yeah. and i i mean yeah. i've known christians who said they were in tears because of a professor who would not let it go sometimes targeting them in the class mm-hmm. saying you yeah. need to learn yeah. x y or z yeah. that's to me an element of college yeah. you know what i mean i mean i don't think you should be a jerk yeah you yeah. know and i don't think you yeah. should try to insult people but specifically with an idea mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know what I'm saying? I think that, and I, I like how you said brain poison. And I think some people might argue that Fox News is brain poison, but sure, I'm yeah. not going to, um, right, yeah, yeah. like, I don't want my brain By the way, poison I, while I'm eating breakfast. Yeah. But. I don't uh, watch Fox News or any news really right now. I actually think yeah. because it's television mm-hmm. that the only people who watch that are largely the older demographic because yeah, the internet yeah. news would be where the younger generation yeah, goes. Absolutely. But um, I'm talking about yeah. the youth and, so, and what, what their attitude yeah. towards challenging ideas. So I work at a university. I work mm-hmm. with university mm-hmm. students. Um, but I also hear people talking about universities. And when I hear like headlines or, or people talking about it who right. aren't in it. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I like I'm I'm at 
Pitt. I'm at the University of Pittsburgh, so mm-hmm. I I only have that example. Right. I mean, I've seen other places, but but that's like what I know. And mm-hmm. I'm also a little spoiled because <laughs> I work in the honors college, which Ooh. at Pitt, yeah, it's it's not elitist at, at Pitt yeah, so much no, no. so much that like anyone can actually like come to the honors college for advising and stuff. It's not um it's not yeah. a membership only. Uh, you don't have a bumper sticker that says "I work in the honors college." <laughs> no, no, but um, so I can talk to any students at the university but the ones who flock to me are like the mm-hmm. ones really serious about school high achieving right, big right, ideas right. kind of students so yeah. i'm not necessarily working with the like general yeah yeah students. um but i don't see a lack of rigor or, or like mm-hmm. a people's opinions being challenged in college i i think there are like pockets like right. like if you're a business student and you're taking all business classes um you might not like if you if you don't like if you're not in an anthropology class or political science class, your your beliefs you yeah. might be able to go through school without having. Your I was going to say, be yeah, maybe not a hot button stuff happening in the business <laughs> yeah, college. Yeah. It's the same I mean, roles. there are some cool things happening, but I think yeah, you can yeah. make your way yeah. through in business or engineering um, without necessarily like like touching on some of those really yeah, challenging yeah. or hot, hot topics. Um, if you like put yourself in political science, anthropology, uh, other things right. like that, like I think things are being challenged. I think that the free speech is happening. Um, there is a, an amount of sensitivity to some new, not new things, but like new sensitivities that are coming mm-hmm. up like trigger warnings. And probably out of a good place. Like, yeah. Yeah. Out of a good place. Um, like trigger warnings. I see if someone's about to talk about, violence especially Mm -hmm. sexual violence Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's this warning that people say like i'm about to talk about blah someone in the class may have had that yeah and i haven't witnessed this in live class i've seen it on social media a lot like like i'm about to talk about sexual violence if you don't want to read about it don't keep on reading yeah people are starting and i like what does that hurt? You know, like, I don't think that hurts anything. So, um, to, to put the warning, at what yeah, you're to put the warning, right, yeah, right. Um, safe spaces, like, it sounds like the opposite of, I think, what <laughs> it is. It sounds like all ideas in this class, no holds barred, <laughs> raw, yeah, right. anything okay. goes, so, which no, is what I, I would associate with college. I think right? there's a, a couple different ways of doing right. safe spaces. Like, sometimes when you're having a conversation, right. like the conversations we're having now, you, right. you might like, create a safe space by creating some ground rules like true yeah like ev- and and i've seen this like okay everyone's allowed to say their opinion no one's allowed to like attack personally attack someone and right. so it's actually like i think in that sense it's actually creating a safe space for for conservative points of view sometimes right. because all ideas considered yeah it, it doesn't mean all ideas are necessarily good but it means what? <laughs> it means like no that's that like yeah. they can come out because people aren't going to be attacking them so like right. i think this like anti-safe space thing is just like it's kind of being weaponized against people who are like trying to actually create dialogue yeah um which i am 100 yeah. obviously in favor because of what we're doing now but that's what i want yeah. i want the right the safe space for ideas to come out another like you know some people yeah. might even say well hate speech like talk about that mm, yeah that that is that that is different from free speech but i'm not convinced that that is i feel like a hateful idea if it's allowed to mm-hmm. come out mm-hmm. and be like Full frontally mm, exposed yeah. <laughs> that it will possibly, you know, by being in the light, yeah, uh, burn and fall yeah. away. Whereas if it remains, mm-hmm. you know, like people yeah. might just crystallize whatever, mm-hmm. become yeah. even more like that. If you say, well, mm-hmm. back off. Um, I know yeah. with the Nazi thing that came up of yeah. like, don't engage or, or punch them, mm-hmm. right? If you do that, <laughs> what I worry is they will only become more 
and more solid in their view, right? What happens yeah. when you punch a yeah. person yeah. versus what happens? I mean, this <laughs> is a great, maybe a, sep- a, a separate issue, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, what what actually helps and what actually hurts yeah. with ideas? Yeah. yeah. And I think people are, people are afraid that if you bring an idea into the light, it will grow. Yeah. And I feel like with smart people or people, mm-hmm. reasonable people, yeah. when they see an idea that is obviously whatever they don't buy, mm-hmm. then that's harmless. Yeah, yeah. You know? So They brought it out into the open. Yeah, yeah. so I this comes up a lot with, um, like it came up at Pitt when Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, Did he came, come to Pitt? He came to Pitt. Right, he yeah. came to Pitt before I knew who he was. Right, yeah. So like I found, it was a couple years ago and I had never heard of him. But, right, yeah. But like he was coming to Pitt and I mm-hmm. there were some students who were going to protest and that's right. when I heard yeah. about him. And so like when we're talking about safe space and, sh- and should ideas be allowed, like like, do I think Milo Yiannopoulos should be able to say whatever he wants whenever he wants? Like, maybe, you know? Like, For some I, reason, he like, has helped a lot. Not helped, but he has been at the center of a lot of this. Yeah. Like, where but, it's like, so, do, should a campus allow him to speak right. or not, so right? And it he becomes he was hot. brought to our campus right. by, I believe, the Pitt Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to, like, try to be diplomatic. He says things intentionally to be... Yeah. Um, he seems almost like a comedian in some, yeah. from the interviews I've seen with yeah. him. Like he seems but, to know right. that he's provoking people. He's in, you know? he, he I don't does know if things, he's 100% So sincere. he's not an academic. He sure. says things intentionally to provoke people. Mm-hmm. And and it's all like under this guise of free speech. Not that I don't think he should be able to do it, but sure. why why do we bring him to a university? All right, what's the university Yeah, and and he a lot of things he says are not true like if we go back to um sure. statistics and yeah, science yeah. and even right. social science right, and right. qualitative uh, yeah. research quantitative whatever like he he says things that are just mean offensive and untrue and so so far you haven't hit on anything yeah. that i feel like it should not be allowed in a college well what i have heard is that he potentially incited people to harm other people on the campus that is something i'm more willing yeah, to hear but as but, to stop him so, from speaking so right? we're a university we're a place right. of learning yes why should we bring in a comedian who's yeah. just mean <laughs> well, sure as I'm part sure of a political comedians. thing like right so i think like should he be able to say it whatever like i don't like it i don't think it's kind i sure, don't sure but but like, should the university, like student, gover- student government board, like yeah. give money to like fly him in, right, give space right, right. for him to st- like, as if he has like uh, expertise in yeah. some field or something right. like that? Is so, that kind of what you're right. getting at? So like not, academic, right? Blah, blah, so blah. not everyone who who speaks at Pitt, ne- <laughs> like Pitt, when Pitt brings in speakers, like clubs can bring in speakers, departments can bring in speakers. Right. Not every speaker is like espousing the values of the university oh, but no. there is kind of a imagine, thing where like yeah. if we allow someone who's just being mean to right. <laughs> to like he's gay but he's being mean to like lesbians and he's being mm. mean to minorities like that doesn't espouse our values and I, like i don't i don't I, like this is my opinion yeah, i don't yeah. think we should support it like i'm i'm I, I don't think that it should be funded i don't think he should be given space because because he's just there being mean <laughs> now now i do think that yeah. someone who could be talking about free speech like brad what if we took someone like you but like someone a little more extreme yeah who's like i want to talk about free speech i just really want to talk about it but like without like insulting people or like be like i think that can happen and should happen so the universities too like it's there's the young people there's students and there's also 
the faculty and staff and and like mm-hmm. we are a bubble you know something i was thinking about before yeah. um i'm gonna like jump way back yeah. to yep. something you said earlier <laughs> i think when we were talking about me too it was like right, yeah. should we blame the victim or not a lot of my students who believe are, the victim oh, I, I was talking about believing right yeah, would, right right should we believe yeah. the victim right mm-hmm. um thank you for correcting no me problem. um like a lot of my students would be like you're wrong mr podcast man you sure. know mm-hmm. we always have to believe the victim because of blah 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 blah, blah. Right. and like i think it's good and healthy but also like we're in this bubble yeah and like a lot of college students like just have no idea like the thoughts that are going on in the suburbs and like the the like humility and honesty that you have to say like oh i hadn't heard something before that like some of my students like need to know that we can't like we need to be able to have these conversations (laughs) with with people who aren't like in this like liberal academic like we're reading and theorizing and making up new words for things all the time that's why when i hear new words like that i I do notice that Mm -hmm. it almost seems to be an assumption that everyone knows what they mean right for example the lgbtq that keeps keeps growing yeah the assumption is that everyone also knows this or that wherever it's decided that the new letter is added that everyone is subscribing to that newsletter and has it yeah and And i've heard some people get offended that someone used it wrong and i thought that is representing right. your bubble you you didn't right. realize that there is someone else who hasn't heard right. what you've heard yeah and i i realized this when i talked to like family members and, and yeah. stuff like that it's like we're in we're in this like academic bubble where we're like oh you're wrong because you don't know blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. just google it man you can educate yourself but it's like you didn't you didn't I, google it you're a, you're right. surrounded by <laughs> academics and i and i i've been in that position where yeah. i feel like oh i knew a piece of information mm-hmm. and i held it against someone else that they didn't and it's such a sh- shady mm-hmm. thing yeah to treat someone else that way, to assume. Um, I think a lot yeah. of that gets broken down when you yeah. do talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, my take on the Milo thing right mm-hmm. now, and this is probably like the libertarian mm-hmm. side, which I yeah. didn't even realize yeah. that I was until I took an <laughs> isidewith.org oh, quiz and it yeah. was like, you're like Gary Johnson, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess so. I don't mm-hmm. even know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I kind of feel like it's like all freedom until you start to harm someone else or stop them from being Mm -hmm. free and so as uncomfortable as he may be Mm -hmm. or uh, and i know the organize the university can bring whoever it wants or not yeah but in terms of just what we what's healthy for us to allow Mm -hmm. right up to the line of harming other people i think is where i would go i'm i'm iffy on how harmful i uh words or ideas are mm-hmm. like I, I would hear the argument from someone if they said and a word can be literally harmful or mm-hmm. idea can be harmful but in my experience challenging ideas have helped to form me into who i am mm-hmm. despite in the moment being very upset that i heard a challenging idea and <laughs> yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. confirmation bias or whatever myself yeah. back into my hole it's been like i'm glad i heard that ultimately because as painful as it was it affected me and I think that Milo or other people, despite maybe even if they're 90% trash, it might like, you know, what they have to say, mm-hmm. there may be an idea that slips through that's good. And I don't mm-hmm. want to not give that opportunity. Yeah. But I do think that that stops once you actually like physically hurt. Yeah. And the argument I heard with him was that he was inciting violence. Like he had said some mm-hmm. things about here's so-and-so's address or something like that. Right. So I think. Yeah. That, I and think that's it, right. super like. Well, and yeah. to me, it kind of goes into the punching Nazis thing, too, of like, we all show up, we all protest. I don't have an issue with them being there. I know some people think they shouldn't be able to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, allow them to talk, hear the ideas, you talk, hear your ideas, the cops are there. If someone starts driving a car into a crowd or punching someone mm-hmm. else, then it's now, yeah. this has yeah. gone too yeah. far, right? You should. This is how I feel. You Go ahead. should Google like how <laughs> many cops are also like, 
Nazis? closeted KKK oh, no. members. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, well, I'm sure there's some good statistics about it. A conversation for another day. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Theoretically, yeah. this is like my... Because yeah. obviously the country yeah. isn't libertarian, whatever. It's mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But in my ideal world, we would hear those things. We would be free to say mm-hmm. them until it crossed over into punching and driving yeah. cars and stuff. And yeah. then, and then yeah. I think it's okay to shut it off. Yeah. There was like some Supreme Court case in the 1920s that i was reading where the judge said if there is time words are the ideal solution if it's an emergency then censorship is maybe the only thing huh. you can do huh. but in yeah. cases where we have the time mm-hmm. uh, more yeah. speech yeah. he said would be, this is in the 1920s and uh-huh. i thought it was interesting he said more speech would be the best route and that's how i kind of feel there mm-hmm. are times when you are absolutely like your life is yeah. threatened that's different yeah but if we have enough mm-hmm. time to talk yeah have you ever heard of daryl davis the, he's a big heavy set black jazz musician okay. guy who goes around and befriends kkk members <laughs> oh i think there's an yeah, awesome documentary I I he, he's, yeah it's on netflix yeah. it's called uh accidental courtesy mm-hmm. and he talk and he collects their hoods because <laughs> he b- makes friends with them uh-huh. they leave the kkk mm-hmm. and then he t- asks them if he can have their or they give him their robes mm-hmm. so it's this big kind-hearted black guy holding up all these kkk things that he's gotten over the years and his whole thing was uh open the lines of communication between you and your quote-unquote enemy Mm -hmm. and just by having those talks they actually changed their minds and i think he in the last 20 years has collected like 30 or 40 hoods or whatever which is so funny because it looks like some kind of like trophies Mm -hmm. but i really love that idea of they're not lost causes mm-hmm. entirely, you know, yeah. saying let's never talk to them. I've heard this. I, I don't know if you've heard this, mm-hmm. but I've heard like that person has this idea. Shut them yep. down. Well, this yep. is this is it's what like you, unfriending someone. OK, yeah. yeah. You actually helped to spawn this podcast mm-hmm. because your friend on Facebook had posted something that I, somehow I saw mm-hmm. where they were saying, I've had it with the Trump people. I'm done. I'm cutting them off. Same thing as the person I know without Fox News. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. no, I'm never yeah, going sure. here again. Mm-hmm. If we do that, I just worry that we'll, we'll never get anywhere. Yeah. So the um, person who's the missionary to the mm-hmm. the KKK, Daryl um, Davis. I yeah. Think, yeah. We're talking about free speech, and but but that's like to me like the inverse of Milo, and I'm looking at like no, the sure, willingness yeah. to like talk, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to like rep some of my students too because yeah. there are people yeah. at the University of Pittsburgh, and I believe all over the place at universities Mm -hmm. who are trying to figure out how to cross these divides. In particular, there's a student who's like working on, like he's really interested in the environment and climate change. And he's intentionally building a community that has conservatives, liberals, people of color, Mm. white people Mm. in a coalition together to like try to talk about these things but there's other students who are like trying to figure out if i'm like a urban or suburban liberal how do i talk Mm -hmm. to rural conservatives or suburban conservatives or or my own family right um it feels like it's this muscle that has like atrophied that we used to have or maybe we never did of just conversation i I don't i don't know like families talk about how thanksgiving is like this tense when you go into it be prepared yeah i feel like that was maybe not 
I don't know. When we were I more, don't know. I don't I mean, know. Maybe we were more around. in a bubble. Maybe, maybe things come to a head at different points in history. Yeah. I mean, oh. I wasn't around during the Vietnam War, but <laughs> right. like, but I, All I feel family. like I've yeah. heard some stories true, about like true. families being divided and stuff like Good that. Point. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we are in that point of history for sure. <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah, where everybody is just like had it with hearing anything else. Um, I watched a uh, video recently where a guy was going around just in New York just saying, do you have any Republican friends? And they were all going, oh, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. stuff like that makes me think that we'll, we will only just mm-hmm. solidify. Yeah. I keep thinking of different words for it, but whatever it yeah. is. But you're, you have some students yeah. who are trying to do that. Yeah. Just that, and they're bridge not, that. Yeah. Bridging the gaps. And, and not all the students I talk to are, are liberal. A lot of them are um, probably majority at Pitt are, but there are conservative students. Obviously, there's the campus Republicans who brought right, in Milo. Right, right, but just right. because you're a Republican doesn't mean like when right. you're talking about like yeah. what is a racist, like some people are like, well, if you voted for Trump, you're a racist. Right, and if you voted right. for Jill Stein, then you're a racist. You because, like Jill Stein, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. like talking about it. I was it, apparently but, yeah. a Gary Johnson supporter, although I... Yeah, when I I was surprised when I actually then saw who he was, but it was who my (laughs) quiz told me I should be. He's a funny guy. He's a little bit of a spacey guy. Yeah, I I mean I think he's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. When if I when I take the I I side with thing, I'm I totally go like Green Party. Green Party, uh, right? Jill Stein, Bernie Sanders. Um, but like I honestly like I'm I'm. We just said that out loud on this recording that is permanent, but I don't talk about it a lot (laughs) um, because like I know Jill Stein supporters who voted for Hillary and Jill Stein supporters who voted for Jill Stein. Um, But like, that's what I'm kind of getting at is you you can't automatically assume that you would have known based on what I know about you. I might not have thought that. I don't know. But yeah. And people are complicated. Yeah, that the politics is complicated, too, because I like like there's who you align with ideally, but then there's who you (laughs) who you might vote for strategically. True. Yeah, that's Um, how I was. The whole like lesser of two evils uh, kind of thing. But um, and like, do you vote your conscience or like, what does that even mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, Different people have different issues. It's funny. I like I was talking about Green Party stuff a lot before the election. And I don't I've tried to focus more on the issues now than than politics, although Mm -hmm. I like do hope that people who agree with more things that that i agree with like have more power i think that's um, everybody's yeah. yeah but um unless i know maybe that's the libertarian yeah. side of me is i just kind of want to shrink the government because i feel yeah. like if you're yeah. S- yeah. upset every day about who the president is he's probably he has too much power maybe you know that yeah. that every day yeah. you wor- worry who it is i feel like that should be like a little guy yeah <laughs> who I mean, you don't think about that often yeah. maybe i don't know that might be pie in the sky but yeah i mean I think government uh, does a lot of important things and, and it, it, this like pro-government, anti-government is is like, a, there's so many like weird divisions yeah. where it's like, no, right. it's actually complicated. Like of we course. actually need institutions yeah. for things. Right, right. Um, yeah. But I, I don't do, know. By the I feel way, like I do, that's I, another topic too. I do uh, believe in some some amount of government. <laughs> I think that You're was, not an anarchist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was that not clear? Um <laughs> But that's good. I, did I did I cut you off on something there at the end as we're wrapping oh, up here about well, your student? You're repping your students who do want to reach across. Yeah. Divides. Oh, I guess I guess uh, that's yeah, a good thing to I leave mean, people with. I yeah. Think. And I think I kind of wanted to say like that Christians and conservative Christians think mm-hmm. that universities are a place where Christians under are under attack. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that way. Like yeah. I haven't seen that. There are. I didn't mean to suggest that too by yeah, my stories. No, I you, think there are some professors. Yeah, my, my wife had one who are actively trying. They have a chip yeah. on their shoulder, but I think mm-hmm. you'll see that. Yeah, you could have a Christian professor yeah. with a similar. Sure, bend. I know Christian yeah. professors who do amazing community work. Um, sure. There are twenty or so Christian clubs on campus, and mm-hmm. like there's like 
two or three Jewish clubs and there's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. one Muslim club and like right. one atheist club. And so, <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there to like, that, I'm I just glad feel you like, said that though, yeah. because the, like you mentioned headlines. Yeah. And obviously I've seen headlines about mm-hmm. campuses, but yeah. I haven't engaged them. Yeah. Here's a person yeah. like you who's actively there and you're yeah. saying, what I see in the headline is not matching my, maybe this goes to your, what was the uh, second statistic? It was the uh, qualitative. Quality. Yeah, maybe this yeah. is the qualitative yeah. side is you're literally on campus and you don't feel that way. Yeah. But from yeah. an outsider who sees a headline go up like so-and-so class is rubbing balloons because they, they feel bad about a Halloween costume, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> right. And then, and then you go, God, it's all terrible out there. Right. That's exactly what I want to fight against is thinking the world is it's all like you, one way. There's one headline yeah. about a high school and you think it's like, oh, high school's in America. America, but it's really right, not. right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think the only way you can cut through that might be to rub shoulders with people and do this kind of thing, yeah. maybe, and yeah. go back and forth. So I really appreciate you coming on here. Thanks for having Speaking me. Speaking your mind, I know yeah. we could talk for a lot longer yeah, if yeah. we didn't have to like insanely <laughs> go to the bathroom and also like have to give you your time back, obviously. But I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Holly. Yeah.